Then he makes a decision which was extraordinary, it was cool and it was evil. He decides that he needs a new identity. It was an execution done with total military efficiency. There are signs there, as there usually are with crooks, that he had something a bit bent about his personality. In June 1997, armed robbery detectives in Melbourne had a man in custody. They were confident that they had just picked up a prison escapee and armed robber called Alexander MacDonald. And yet the man in custody insisted that he was in fact a 47-year-old man called Ron Williams, born in May 1950. At that stage, the police had no idea where the name Ronald Williams had come from, but they would soon find out, and it shocked them. They found out soon after they produced a fingerprint kit and told their man in custody that if he did not voluntarily submit his fingerprints, they would do it forcibly. He then acceded to their polite requests, gave them the fingerprints, and within a matter of minutes, the police knew that they did in fact have Alexander Robert MacDonald, a prolific bank robber, prison escapee several times over, and, as they were about to find out, a murderer. We will get to the identity of Ronald Williams and to the murder, but first we need to know a bit about Alexander MacDonald, who was on some levels a fairly unlikely type of crook, but nonetheless a very effective one. This is the backstory. Alexander MacDonald had been serving 23 years for armed robbery and escape. When he escaped from a Queensland prison near Ipswich back in September 1995, this is about two years before his arrest by the Melbourne detectives, he had, in fact, at that stage served 13 years of this long sentence he was doing. He had become a trustee, as they say in jail, which meant he was let outside the walls of the jail to mow lawns and do gardening and that sort of thing. And he'd bided his time and made his escape. MacDonald was not your conventional crook to look at or anything. He wasn't sort of covered in tattoos. He looked fairly normal. He was a former soldier. He'd done two tours of Vietnam as a gunner and had, in fact, learned quite a lot about guns and weaponry and explosives while in the army. But if you go back a bit further in his history, we find that there are signs there, as there usually are with crooks, that he had something a bit bent about his personality. And if you go back far enough to 1967, we see that Alexander MacDonald had appeared that year as a young man on a charge of theft. He was fined you know, something like $100, which was a fair amount in the 60s, probably a week's wages. And soon after that, he joined the army and, of course, went off to Vietnam. Sometimes in those days, magistrates were a bit inclined to push young men towards the army if they got into trouble. And uh, occasionally, I think, some of them avoided jail sentences by agreeing to sign up. I'm not sure whether that happened in this case, but it's possible. After serving in Vietnam and getting out of the army, in 1972, Alexander MacDonald was charged with unlawfully killing cattle. This is a charge that can get you into a lot of trouble in Queensland if the owner of the cattle finds you before the police do. Luckily for him, 
the police got him first and he was fined and had to pay restitution for the stolen cattle. So far, so minor, but our man MacDonald was headed for bigger things. He ends up in Western Australia. He was a bit itinerant. He travelled around from state to state, as these sort of people often do. And by 1978, he bobs up in Western Australia. And there, around a town called Collie, a publican of a pub called the Crown Hotel found a lunchbox packed full of gelignite. It had a note with it. And the note intimated that the gelignite could easily have been a bomb and that if the publican didn't pay 5000 in an extortion fee, the next time the gelignite would go off. And it turns out that the unknown bomber had dropped similar messages at various pubs around the district and, in fact, was trying to stand over or extort a whole series of pubs for a total of about $60,000, which was quite a lot of money in the late 70s. It was, you know, probably what a labourer would earn in four years, that sort of thing. The threat was that he would blow them up. Sure enough, three months later, at the same hotel in Collie, the Crown Hotel, a publican sees another box and suspects it's potentially a bomb. He calls the local policeman who comes down, picks it up, looks at it, and could have been blown sky high. But he put it down and was later defused. And it was a bomb, a live bomb. Could have killed the policeman. Could have killed anyone standing near him. And that would have made Alexander MacDonald a cop killer. But as it turned out, he was lucky. It didn't hurt anybody. But he was unlucky because he was arrested. And he was sentenced to seven years jail for this very serious crime. He didn't actually serve the seven years, which goes to show that anybody that thinks that people served more time in the bad old, good old days usually didn't. People probably get more time now for those sort of violent crimes. So by 1981, this is just three years after the bomb attempt, MacDonald is out and about. He must have been out on parole or whatever, and he goes to Queensland. And there he embarks on a crime spree in Queensland. He robs a series of banks and service stations. He ends up being picked up in the Northern Territory. He goes to a jail in the Northern Territory where he's being held. He breaks out of the jail, breaks his ankle, and hobbles along for several kilometres before the police pick him up. He is then sentenced to a total of 17 years for all the robberies he's done, plus the escape. He is sent to prison in Queensland. He's sent to Townsville Prison. He attempts to escape from the Townsville Prison and is caught. The escape attempt is foiled. He attempts to do it again. Again, it is foiled. He doesn't get out. Third time lucky. In 1995, as we heard earlier, he finally escapes as a trustee from a correctional centre near Ipswich in Queensland. And that was the start of his second crime spree, a bank robbing spree. He does several banks. Then he makes a decision which was extraordinary. It was cool and it was evil. He decides that he needs a new identity. But it's the way he goes about it that is one of the most chilling stories I've ever heard in Australian crime. And what he does is this. He sets up a base in Victoria He gives himself a false name, Paul Jacobs. He inserts an advertisement in the Herald Sun newspaper. 
in January 1996. The advertisement is for a field hand on a supposed mining prospecting trip in Western Australia. And MacDonald, calling himself Paul Jacobs, sets up a fake office in Greensboro. He must have rented a small office unit or similar. And he conducts interviews with all the respondents to his ad. Now, his ad draws something like 50 responses from people because he's offering a job which offers travel to interstate. It's out in the open. They'll be driving around in you know, four-wheel drives and looking for mining sites. And he's offering $60,000 a year salary, which back in that time for more or less unskilled labour was very good dough. And it attracted, as we said, 50 people. Now, MacDonald, alias Jacobs, interviews several people until he interviews a fellow called Ron Williams. Now, Ron Williams is a man of roughly MacDonald's own age. That is, he's probably around his 40s. He's about MacDonald's size and shape and uncannily similar to look at. They could have roughly been brothers. They had the same shape face. They were both lean, outdoorsy-looking guys. This guy, Ron Williams, was, you know, he was a nice enough man. He was working at that time in a fairly dead-end job in a wrecking yard, and he thought that it would be a lot better to work as a field hand for a mining prospector, his new best friend, Paul Jacobs, alias Alex MacDonald. So he takes the job, which was very bad luck for him. Within a matter of weeks, they set out across country in the boss's most excellent Toyota four-wheel drive, and they head west. They go through South Australia, and then they head across the bottom of the Nullarbor, as people do, and drop in on beaches and fishing spots. And finally, they get over to a place near Albany, or Albany, in Western Australia. Now, before we go further with this story, let's find out a bit about poor Ron Williams. He was an estranged father. He had children, he had a few relatives, and only a few. A troubled young woman, her evil parents. We never had any issues between us. Has justice been done? I'm in a prison. Join journalist Richard Gilliatt as he delves into one of Australia's most gripping cases. Shadow of Doubt, a new podcast investigation from The Australian. I cannot find one of these allegations that's possible. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Few close friends. All of those things made him a very suitable candidate for Alexander MacDonald, who actually wanted to steal his identity. And what Alexander MacDonald was able to do was to persuade Ron Williams that he would need to look at all his ID, so that was his driver's licence, his birth certificate and banking details, all that sort of thing, because he said, I'll be able to pay you direct into your bank account or whatever, and he was able to give him a plausible story. But what MacDonald was able to do with those documents was to apply for a birth certificate in Williams's name and to open bank accounts in Williams' name and set up you know, credit cards or whatever in Williams's name. So effectively, he was able to set up a whole alternate identity as Ron Williams before they even set out on this journey. So they go to Western Australia and they go to a place near Albany called Collie Beach. And Collie Beach is quite a lonely area, particularly at some times of year. And by this stage, it's not summer, so there's not a lot of people about. And being the uh, 
friendly boss that he's pretending to be. Paul Jacobs, alias MacDonald, says, let's go fishing tonight. We'll do a bit of night fishing. And Ron Williams says, yeah, that'd be great. And so they go down to the beach with their fishing tackle and uh, a fishing bag and they cast out. They're fishing for about an hour when MacDonald calmly and quietly produces a sawn-off rifle from the fishing bag and shoots poor Ron Williams through the head. And after he falls on the ground, he shoots him in the head again to make sure it was an execution done with total military efficiency, the way he'd learned in the army to do things. And he would later talk to the police about this and say that he thought it was a necessary thing to do to further his own interests. And that would be proof, of course, that Alexander MacDonald was a complete sociopath. He could do things logically and sensibly and intelligently, but he would always put his own interests ahead of everyone else, even to the extent of killing them. So MacDonald has firmly established his identity as Ron Williams. He's driving around with Ron Williams' driver's licence. He's got a passport by this stage as Ron Williams. He's got bank accounts. He's done a lot. One thing he did do was pay money into Ron Williams' bank account as if the real Ron Williams was being paid. So he was that way able to establish that it looked as if Ron Williams was still alive, which is very cunning. And having established this, he proceeded with his life of crime. He was based in Victoria. He'd been down with buckets of cash, briefcases full of cash, and bought himself a boat that was an ocean-going boat, good enough to sail in the open ocean, off the Mornington Peninsula near Tyab. And he was able to live on that boat very quietly and politely and go about his business. And every now and again, he would take a trip interstate. No one knew where he went. No one cared where he went. But he would go usually to Queensland and there he would pull robberies. His modus operandi was actually rather similar to the After Dark Bandit, the twins who had raided banks in Victoria a decade earlier. Because what he would do was go into a country bank out in a rural area and he would hold it up. He would wear a hat, like a sun hat and glasses, uh, sunglasses, and that would disguise his face. He would often grow a beard so that he could shave it off later. And he would often take a hostage with him to prevent the other staff from setting the alarms off. And that would buy him time to get out of the building and away, and he would get rid of the hostage, let them go, and he would calmly walk or ride a bike or whatever into the scrub, sometimes cane fields, and there he would hide for a day, two days, three days, whatever it took, until the roadblocks came down, until the police removed the roadblocks and said, you know, the robbers got away. Then he would quietly travel back by, I think, probably public transport to Victoria and resume living in the boat. He did this several times in 1996 and early 97. And in June 97, he was heading to Queensland to do one more robbery before sailing away on his boat. He intended to sail his boat out into the Pacific to the Solomon Islands or similar. And there he later claimed he thought he might commit suicide, which is possible but probably unlikely. On his way out of Melbourne, he was driving this time with his four-wheel drive. He decided to stay at a motel just in the northern suburbs of Melbourne in Faulkner. And he pulls in his four-wheel drive 
he books a room and he goes to his room. Lo and behold, there's been a television series which most of us remember called Australia's Most Wanted. And one of Australia's Most Wanted was this prison escapee, Alexander MacDonald. And someone tipped off the police that a man looking very much like Alexander MacDonald was travelling under the name Ron Williams and driving a Toyota four-wheel drive. It may have been someone at the motel, it may have been someone else. But when the police get there, they find this man, a very calm man claiming to be Ron Williams, and they take him into police headquarters and they question him very, very closely until the time comes that they fingerprint him and he decides then to tell the truth. And he tells them that he is Alexander MacDonald, he is the escapee, and after a little more uh, talking, he explains who Ron Williams was and how he'd come to kill him. It was a very chilling exchange that he had with a couple of seasoned detectives who'd never heard anything quite like it. MacDonald has told the police that he had assumed Ron Williams' identity. One detective asks him, says, right, now how did you assume that identity? MacDonald says, by taking the identity from the actual person. The detective says, right, who is Ron Williams? MacDonald, he's a guy from Melbourne. Detective, right, and do you know Ron Williams? MacDonald, yes, I met him on the pretext of employing him. Detective, can you explain to me how you would assume the identity of a person who responds to an advert for employment? MacDonald, you kill them. The detective, did you kill Mr Williams? I did. The detectives were shocked, but of course they're professionals and they kept interviewing him and extracted further details because having started talking, MacDonald decided that he might as well tell them everything. It was then that he told them, we fished for maybe an hour and then I shot him. I extracted the rifle from my fishing bag, faced Mr Williams and shot him once in the forehead. He fell forward and was prone on the ground. I stepped over him and shot him in the back of the head just to make certain. He told the police that he'd had quite some experience with weaponry as a soldier in Vietnam. He said that he just switched off when it was time to kill his victim. He said, I guess it's part of military training that sometimes you need to switch off your emotions. Asked whether he thought it was wrong to kill someone, he replied, to me it seemed appropriate. One of the detectives probed further. Is what you're saying his death was a means to you assuming a new identity? Nothing more. That's correct. In total, Alexander MacDonald robbed banks of more than $300,000, quite a lot of money in that era. At one bank alone, at Ely Beach, he took $83,000, as well as taking a female teller hostage and terrifying her and everyone else. He committed robberies all over Australia, but never in Victoria. He didn't want to cause trouble in his own backyard. He thought it was the best way to avoid detection. And in fact, had not an alert member of the public seen the photograph on Australia's Most Wanted, he probably would have got away with one more robbery and then got on his 34-foot motor yacht and sailed into the sunset. But there's one more thing about Alexander MacDonald. When the police were going through the possessions and papers of this absolutely cold-blooded killer, a person willing to blow up a pub with innocent people in it, 
a person willing to set up an innocent man and shoot him just to get his identity. They found receipts from a major international charity which shown that he had made regular payments to sponsor a poor child in South America. Who knows what goes on in people's heads? Read my column in the Sunday Herald Sun and online at heraldsun.com.au Hi, I'm Jen Kelly from the Herald Sun. Join me for In Black and White, a podcast series about some of Melbourne's forgotten characters. On Monday's episode, we tell the amazing story of Big Chief Little Wolf, the famous Navajo wrestler and showman who wowed the crowds in Melbourne with his signature move, the Indian Deathlock. And you can listen right now to this week's episode about Black Elsie, the singer-turned-jailbird who forged a remarkable friendship with Richmond footballer and policeman Jack Dyer. It's available on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Access a world of true crime podcasts on CrimeX Plus, where award-winning journalists take a deep dive into unsolved cases. Every week we're waking up to a dead woman. A dead mother, sister, auntie, grandmother. It's not good enough. From the team that brought you The Teacher's Pet, Shadow of Doubt and Dying Rose, unlock early, ad-free and bonus content from brand new series and flagship shows such as I Catch Killers with Gary Jubilin. One was shot in the mouth and I thought he was dead. Another one had been shot with a shotgun and I got the overspray. Search for Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts to start digging deep into the world of true crime.